Hi, and welcome back to season two of the Girls Who Gather podcast, a podcast sharing women's stories from a diverse range of backgrounds and stages of life, highlighting the way they are building community, empowering other women, and walking out their calling. We are so glad you've decided to tune in. Our hope for launching this podcast is to extend the voice of Gather beyond the physical spaces where we meet in our cities, campuses, and apartments. We want to make our content even more accessible to all of you. With an incredible diversity of feminine voices, we want to create a catalog of stories, testimonies, and inspirational content that you and your friends can always return to. We will also be announcing Gathered news, updates, and other exciting events coming up on this platform. Stay tuned for more from us as we journey through this next season together. And as you listen, we encourage you to lean in and learn from some truly incredible women. Hello, hello, and welcome to season two of the Girls Who Gather podcast. I'm Lauren, and I am the executive director and founder of Gather, and I'm here joined by my co-host, Morgan. Hi, everybody. Morgan is also on team here, and usually I have my lovely co-host, Noelle, joining us, but she is currently in Ghana, um, and so we get to have Morgan for the first part of this series, and we're so excited. We are launching into a new series called Be Well, which really just goes deep into what wellness looks like. How do we walk it out? How do we get healthy, stay healthy, and use community to do that? So this series, we're going to be interviewing some women with some really incredible stories who have some really (laughs) wonderful Uh, resourceful knowledge on this area. Um, We're going to be talking about mental and emotional health, physical health, relational health, and we're really just going to do a deep dive into this topic. So I'm so excited to bring some really wonderful women onto this podcast and just excited to hear their stories and some of the things that they can offer us. And to kick it off, we have an incredible episode for you with Taylor. Taylor was amazing. Uh, We just had such a great conversation around some really practical resources to walk out uh, mental health well and how to be there for the people around you in that. Um, We talked about healing being a journey and not a destination. And really, we just did uh, had a wonderful conversation about just uh, some of the things that she's been learning uh, in her role, which you'll find out more about. And we're just so excited to interview her. But I do want to put a little bit of a trigger warning on this episode. Uh, Taylor is also working in the area of sexual assault prevention, and so we do talk a little bit about that. Nothing super graphic, but definitely going to talk about some uh, really practical ways to walk a friend through that experience, to walk yourself through that experience, and she just gives some really sweet wisdom on that area. So if that's something you're up for, we would love to have you tune in with us, but just wanted to put a little bit of a warning on this. Um, We are so excited, though to hear Taylor's story. We're so excited to journey with you this season on the podcast. It's going to be better than ever and we just have some really incredible content coming your way. So thanks for tuning in and let's get to the episode. Taylor Pombe is the Director of Communication at Heart Support, a nonprofit that helps people who are living with mental health struggles. Taylor is an incredibly gifted communicator and has extensive experience as an editor at Babe.net, Curb Magazine, Moda Magazine, and The Tab, along with numerous other publications. In 2021, she will complete her master's in clinical mental health counseling at Fordham University. Go New York! Taylor has a passion for helping people heal and advocating for mental health awareness and sexual assault prevention. Prior to joining Heart Support, Taylor volunteered as a crisis text line counselor. 
Taylor is really passionate about Heart Support's mission and is very emotionally tied to the work that they do. She believes her purpose is to aid in mental health support through communication. And we are just so excited to have Taylor join us on the podcast to share her story and to shed some light on mental health and well-being. Welcome, Taylor. We are so happy to have you. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you so much for that sweet introduction. I'm so excited and honored to be here and to talk about all things health, wellness, sexual assault, prevention. So thank you so much. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. You are incredible and your story is amazing. So we're just going to jump right into it. Taylor, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Where are you from? And what are some of the ways that you feel like how you were raised or maybe experiences from your youth have contributed to the field that you're in now? Yes, definitely. Um, So I'm from Wisconsin, born and raised, or not born, actually just raised, (laughs) Um, but go Badgers. And around the age of like 16 and 17, I really started struggling with my mental health. And it was super confusing for me because um, I had a really loving family. My parents are still together. They're super supportive. I was in um, after school activities and I was getting good grades and I had friends, but I still just was feeling so sad and I couldn't um, make sense of that because it didn't match what I would see in the media depictions of depression and anxiety. Um, so when I was feeling all of this anxiety and this depression, I was really resistant to getting the help that I needed. Um, and it finally, it took me really hitting rock bottom before I allowed myself to get help. And it was kind of my mom giving me this ultimatum of either you go to the doctor and start counseling with me, or we're going to have to put you in the hospital because I wasn't eating. I was crying constantly. I was missing school and I I didn't understand why. Um, And it was a time for me, I am a person of faith. And so I was really frustrated with God too, because I was like, I have grown up in the church. I've grown up kind of really following religion and trying to be faithful and just couldn't understand why something that felt so bad and so painful would happen when I hadn't really had any trauma that I could make sense of it happening. Um, And so I started to get help and I started to educate myself and recognize that mental health impacts everyone. Um, Mental illness impacts a lot of people. Um, 25% of people have a diagnosable mental illness. So it doesn't always come from trauma or negative experiences. And that was a huge wake up call for me. Um, And I just started taking care of my own mental health in that. And I'm so thankful my my parents were so supportive. And um, although they didn't necessarily understand what was going on, they were so willing to do anything that they could to support me and help me. So I got into therapy and I started taking medication and, um, my mom really focused on me exercising because that's been something that's been really helpful in my mental health as well. Um, fast forward a bit. I thought that I was going to go to school for journalism. I did go to school for journalism and I thought that I was going to be a journalist and I wanted to tell people's stories, um, and make their voices heard. And that was like, how I thought I was going to positively impact people's mental health is by kind of breaking the silence about these big issues like uh, sexual assault, um, suicide, mental health stigma, and things like that. Um, 
And in a lot of ways, my own mental health journey was still really private at this point when I entered college. And it wasn't something that I really talked about. Um, and it felt really personal to me. I didn't feel really ready to share it. And then my freshman year of college, I lost my best friend to suicide. And that kind of shifted everything for me. Um, it made me more passionate about finding a way to reduce the stigma about making sure that people know it is okay not to be okay. It's okay to ask for help. Um, and just educating people about that. And kind of around the same time, um, I really was entering this space of writing about sexual assault. That was kind of like my main focus in journalism was like writing about women and um, rape culture and educating on rape culture and um, things like that. So it was this huge kind of shift and long story, not super short. Um, after this journey of thinking I was going to be a journalist and finding out that journalism wasn't as mm -hmm. romantic as it might always look in movies yeah. like Spotlight, <laughs> where you're uncovering injustice, and at the same time, kind of really learning from myself and from my experiences that this was where my heart was, is in mental health and um educating people and supporting people through what they're going through. I ended up applying to Fordham and I stumbled upon my job at Heart Support, which was kind of the craziest story. Um, but it all kind of fell into place and led me to mental health, which is where I know that I'm supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. That's really just a great story and encouraging to us. Um, so like you just mentioned, you are the director of communications at Heart Support. Um, so Taylor, can you tell us a little bit about the organization and how you got involved and what your role entails? Yes. So Heart Support is a mental health community dedicated to creating space and providing resources for people as they go through their healing journey. Um, so it doesn't matter what kind of mental health struggle, if it's diagnosable or not, if it's just a hard week, we come alongside people and support them. And what's really cool about heart support, I think it's like the, the coolest thing ever. You can like tell I get so excited when I talk about it. Um, we were founded in the metal music industry, actually, um, by a metal musician. And how I met Heart Support was at Warp Tour, which I don't know if you've heard of it, but it was like a traveling pop, punk, rock music festival. And for, I've heard of Warp Tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're with me. And growing up, that was like the place that I felt like I fit in because I've always loved mm -hmm. punk rock music and that kind of style. And like my dad was always like, it's just a phase. And I was like, <laughs> it's not a phase. Um, and so I, I was actually covering the last Warp Tour for um, a story I was writing and I saw the heart support tent and it was so eye catching because we have this eight foot by eight foot support wall, which is a main tenant of what we do. And it exists online too. So the physical version is just a replica of what already exists online where people post what they're struggling with and our community responds with encouragement, resources, support, just love. 
Um, and I, I interviewed Dan about Warp Tour and then we got connected and I was like, I have to do this. Um, mm. so we do so many different things, but, um, primarily we stream on Twitch and we support people that way. We have a huge Twitch community. We go to festivals when it's not COVID times and provide resources for people. We do outreach. Um, we have our online community. I do my favorite part of my job is I get to do a lot of band interviews with bands in that kind of scene and talk to people about their mental health. Um, Morgan is a big music girl, so this is like her whole. Yeah, I'm like kind of freaking right out. So I, I, I'm <laughs> so excited. I love it. Oh my god! Well, I, a lot of my friends here in Athens are aspiring musicians and have okay. recording studios in their houses and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but it just makes so much sense, the natural right. Right. Uh, link between um, – because music is so expressive. Right. And so I love right. that this is like a healthy way to emote and not just, you know, sitting in the in the sad and hard emotions. Right. Because I'm, I think sometimes in the music industry that's yeah. glorified. So. Wow. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, especially in the metal scene, the punk scene, there's so much angst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's so <laughs> much pain. There's so much not feeling understood and – um, I always say warp Tour, like misfits unite, like that's what, what it's like. And so to have this space where it's like, yeah, you can come as you are and we're not going to judge you for any of it. And we're going to support you. And like, yeah, let's talk about how this lyric from this song relates to how you're feeling and why you like it. Like you don't just listen to sad songs all the time if you're so mm-hmm. happy. Um, yeah. So it's been the most amazing job ever. And so I'm you're you. uniting pariahs. <laughs> yeah. And like I got to interview, um, I had like such a fangirl moment at the last Warped Tour because I got to interview Youngblood, who I love. And so it's so cool. Like I get to do, wow. I get to kind of like fangirl and also wow. it's a part this of This is job. my dream job. Yeah, I need to pursue this. <laughs> Like getting to stand, but then talk about their feelings. Hello, this sounds great. It is. That's kind of what you already do, Morgan, on a lay basis. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) this is actually already my job at Athens. No, it's fine. Um, But the no, this is this is really really interesting and so such a cool space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so cool. Um, So. In this sort of series that we're in for Gather, we are talking a lot about what it means to be well. So we're talking about wellness as it uh, applies to mental and emotional health right now, kind of in this month. And so um, obviously I have a lot of experience in this, but I just, I would love to know, like, what does wellness actually mean to you? And what does it look like personally in your life? You talked a little bit about your journey, but um, what does that look like to you? And uh, you can also talk about, you said you're a woman of faith, so you can talk about how your faith has interacted with, you know, your your idea of wellness as well. Yeah. Oh, that is such a good question. I love that. Um, I think that wellness, hmm, I'm trying to make sure I really think this. I think I do. I think that wellness really is about intentionality and doing things for yourself to keep yourself healthy, even when you don't maybe necessarily want to do them. Um, so you know, I don't always want to go to the gym, but I know that when I go, it really impacts my mental space. Um, and if I miss a couple days, I feel 
different and I feel down and I don't always want to have a therapy session. Um, but I know that it's important for me to have a space to talk about my, my feelings. So for me, I think wellness is, um, is finding what works for you. And my favorite analogy for that is that mental health and wellness, I think is like baking a cake. So to find your like ultimate wellness, you need a bunch of different ingredients and the ingredients that you need depend on who you are and what kind of cake you like. So if I like chocolate Mm. cake, I'm going to put in different ingredients than if Morgan's going to have a carrot cake and one cake isn't better than the other. It's just, you need a different set of ingredients to make yourself feel good and feel well. So for me, that looks like exercise, therapy, medication, eating healthy, um, and staying spiritually in, um, staying spiritually strong through community is a huge thing for me. That's why I think that your mission is amazing because my girls in my community have been the most impactful for me, um, spiritually to stay well and then playing music, but maybe for someone else, it's, um, meditation every morning and getting enough sleep. That's also important for me, but, um, other ingredients that you need to bake your cake. And if you forget one of those ingredients, sure, the cake might still work, but it might not taste as good as it could if you were putting everything in it the way that you should. Right. Mm-hmm. That really is a helpful metaphor there about <laughs> the cake cake baking. I'm hungry now. Um, so we would love to hear about some of your professional experience in dealing with sexual assault. Um, you know, this is such a tender topic and we would just love to hear some of your recommendations of how to engage with friends who have shared these experiences with us. I know for me personally, I've had two friends come to me and share these experiences with me. And it's so hard to know how to respond because I think part of you wants to respond in, you know, just total anger and like wanting to attack whoever hurt them. You want to cry because you, this is so hard and and you're, it's the first time you've ever heard it. So they've rehearsed telling it before, but you've never received it. And then also feeling so defeated because you have no idea how to just like make it better. Um, but you often, you often can't. Um, so do you have any, you know, best practices there, um, for us to kind of share with our listeners And then in conjunction with that, if we ourselves have experienced sexual assault, how do you recommend if you've never told someone who to tell, how to go about sharing that experience, especially if there's, you know, potentially legal concerns involved? Um, So it's, that was kind of a twofold question, but. Yeah, such a good question, Morgan. And I first just want to like start this start off by saying that if you are listening and you are a survivor of sexual violence, you are not alone. There is nothing wrong with you. You didn't deserve this to happen to you. And there are people who want to listen to you and carry this with you. And you don't have to carry it alone anymore. Um, There's so much shame around sexual assault and sexual violence, um, abuse, harassment, especially for women. And I think, you know, right now, even with what's happening in the news um, with Sarah in the UK, Mm -hmm. it's just been a topic that has been felt so fresh for so many women and it can feel so triggering too. So um, 
just that's my encouragement is that you're not alone. Um, and I'll talk, I'll kind of answer your question now more again. I just wanted to, to say that, um, I think listening, just really listening to what the person is saying and not being afraid to ask them for what they need from you. So for example, I tell this to my clients all the time for kind of a variety of situations, but so often, I think this happens in relationships a lot where, you know, you'll go to tell someone something and they'll immediately tell you a solution for it. And you're like, no, I actually just really wanted you to listen to me. Um, I heard once, do you need a shoulder or a solution? And I really like that. And so when someone's sharing with you, um, asking them, you know, I really just want to be there for you right now. And if you want a solution, I can try to find one for you. If you want resources, I can try to point you towards those and come with you. But if you just want me to listen, I'm going to be here and validate that. Um, so just honoring the person who is sharing by taking the time and always bringing it back to them. So not making it about your experience in any way. You know, maybe you have experienced some sexual trauma as well and your experience is valid and totally should be shared. But when someone is coming to you with their painful experience that maybe they haven't shared before, um, it might be best to wait and talk about your experience another time. Um, and then next, you know, making sure that you are letting the person know that you believe them, that you believe that this is what happened to them and that they um, should not feel like it is their fault and that you are here to support them and that you're not going to judge and you don't need to, you know, when someone is sharing you this story, sharing their story with you, it's not the time for you to be the judge or the jury to ask for evidence or to say, mm -hmm. you know, anything about the situation, even asking questions like, well, how late were you out or what were you wearing or were you drinking or, you know, had you had a relationship with this person before that can bring automatic feelings of shame for that person, even if they were intended in a space of curiosity and not judgment. So really trying to avoid the tendency to gather information so that you can judge and just letting the person share what they feel comfortable sharing with with you, um, validating them and letting them know that all of their feelings are valid and important and they shouldn't there isn't one way that they should feel or one way that they shouldn't feel and there's there's just a variety of experiences and feelings that come up um when we experience trauma um also being really mindful of the language that you're using if someone is saying that they are they were raped, then mirroring that language back to them. But if someone is saying that they were sexually assaulted, mirroring that language back, so not escalating um, mm -hmm. what they're saying to you. You know, if someone is saying, um, I was sexually assaulted and you come back to them and say, you know, when you were raped, that can be really jarring and someone might not feel comfortable with that language. So really being, um, really being honoring what they want to share. And mm -hmm. yeah, so, and also just um, acknowledge that this person has had a lot of power taken from them and 
you know, inviting them to take that power back Mm -hmm. through taking control of this conversation, through taking control of what they need to heal from this, um, through empowering them to ask for what they need from you and from others, et cetera. Um, That was kind of a lot. No, it's really helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any... Um, just off the bat, like one book or one resource that you're like, if you're trying to explore trauma informed anything, this is what you need to read. Ooh, um, the body keeps the score is the best book about trauma that I have, I have read. Um, it, yeah, it is all about, it's not just about sexual trauma. It's about kind of any experience of trauma and the way it impacts the body, mind, and spirit. Um, and it's super scientific at parts and super practical at parts. So I definitely recommend that to anyone who is, I just finished it a couple months ago. So I was really (laughs) hoping you would say that one. (laughs) That was me baiting you. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Morgan, what did you think of it? Um, I absolutely loved it. I think my favorite quote from it was, this is an abridged version, but about how trauma has to come out of us and like sharing it. And the only way to get it out is into the light and like speaking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind of that Plato quote about um, the only thing more ter- like the only thing more saddening than a child afraid of the dark is like a man afraid of the light. And I think that really just like, woo. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a really really great book. I yeah. was even texting about it last night. So <laughs> I that's great. Recommended to everyone. I'm so glad that and and that's exactly it. And that's kind of my encouragement to anyone who has experienced sexual violence is exactly that. Um, shame can only exist in the shadows. There's a Brene Brown quote about that. And so if you are sharing your story and you're bringing it to light with people who are safe for you to do so you are only going to lessen the shame that you feel. Um, And how much of your story you share is up to you. You don't have to share any more details than you feel comfortable with. It might be as simple as, you know, something really bad happened to me and I am still grappling with how to deal with it. Um, And it's been really scary and painful. And I just want you to know so that you can maybe be there for me. And when I'm ready to tell you more, I will. But that's all I'm ready so to good. say right now. You are so like, you're just so articulate and eloquent about how you speak of these things. Really, really hard and heavy subjects, but I feel like you break them down really well. Um, so moving to, again, just a couple more practical things. Uh, this year has been, this past year, 2020 was pretty hard for a lot of people. Isolation, I think, really triggered a lot of people's anxiety, depression, um, just struggles of loneliness and just fear. Um, I know I've had anxiety for a, a while and it really came to just a, a high point this past year. Um, and so I'm just wondering if you have any practical tips for sort of dealing with uh, the kind of isolation triggered uh, just mental health struggle and things that we can kind of be putting into practice. Cause a lot of us are still working remote, still isolated to some degree from the people we love. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a very real thing for a lot of us. So do you have any, any, any insight or wisdom that you want to share in regards to that. Yes, it is so hard. And thank you for sharing about your anxiety too, because I, I've been doing a lot of research about the impact of this pandemic. And um, the last numbers from the CDC were that 43% of Americans 
have experienced anxiety, increased anxiety and depression due to um, kind of COVID and the isolation that comes from it. And kind of what we're talking about right now at Heart Support is this idea that isolation is not safe. And yes, we have to be physically distanced and that is okay. That's what we have to do to keep people physically safe, but we need to not be um, socially isolated. And I think after a year in this pandemic, it becomes so exhausting of, I don't want to have another Zoom call. I don't want to have another FaceTime. I don't want to be on my computer anymore. But it's so important because um, research shows that the thoughts that we have in our head are primarily negative. And especially when they're about ourselves. So if all we have is ourselves to bounce our ideas and our thoughts off of, we're just going to get in this spiral of negative self-talk, negative thinking. Um, One thing that I think is so practical and so helpful that I talk to my clients about all the time is personifying your anxiety or your depression. Um, so for example, I have anxiety and depression and we all have this inner critic in our, in our mind that tells us like, you're not good enough. Oh, you shouldn't try that. You're never going to succeed. Or why would anyone want to talk to you? And so we have this tendency to tell ourselves these things as if they're true and if they're from us. And when we personify it, my inner critic anxiety monster, her name is Bridget and I don't love her but I tolerate her and we live together. She lives in my brain, but just being able to talk to her as if she was someone outside of me helps give me perspective because then it's like, okay, what if a friend was saying this to me? What would I say back to this friend? So, um, you know, let me think of an example. The other day um, she was like, Bridget, my anxiety was like, you or in this relationship, but it's never going to last. And he is going to end up, you know, hurting you just like everyone else. And so I'm like, okay, Bridget, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Um, I know you're trying to protect me. I know that you've been hurt and this is coming from a place of trauma. Um, But we actually, let's like, look at the evidence. What evidence do we have to say that this is true besides you being hurt in the past? Has this person, you know, shown you any reason, given you any reason to believe that they aren't trustworthy, that they're, they are going to hurt you? Um, is it possible that they might not? Yes. Is it possible that these relational patterns aren't going to continue because of the self-work you've been doing? Also, yeah. So let's not worry about that until we actually need to. Um, so personifying my inner critic and talking back to it has been really helpful. Um, and then just getting getting FaceTime with a friend, a phone call, anything, and asking how they are really and inviting them to do the same. Mm, so good. Wow. Mm. That's so just practically helpful because we yeah, we don't we don't have those conversations with ourselves. Yeah. And just one thing to add to that is really also not judging yourself for those thoughts. Um, because then you end up feeling worse if you're judging a thought that you have and just like asking, being curious about where that thought is coming from and what it could be telling you and, and what evidence is there for or against that thought and what a more helpful thought would be. I've heard it described sometimes as like Mm -hmm. in your 
body, there are three people, you, like right now, your child, when you were like a little kid, and then your future like parent, and that you need to like console sometimes that like inner child in you, which can make you sound like, oh, I've got like multiple people living inside of me, which is not true. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Um, But uh, that's a really, really good word. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. Um, So how just kind of, you know, thinking about all of this um, together, how would you encourage those that you know, they know deep down that they need to take some steps in healing their mental health, which IE is probably everyone, um, but they're unsure as to how to do that. Um, Maybe they, you know, feel like, oh, it's too expensive or this is too embarrassing or um, they're in a relationship that's not helping them or encouraging them to go get help for themselves. Um, what are just, what is some tangible advice you would give to women as to how they can tangibly and practically walk out wellness specifically in regards to mental health? Um, as a future therapist and like kind of therapist now with clients, my first advice is always, if you have access, if you can afford it to go to therapy, um, that's all. I think that's, I don't think I always say that if everyone in the world had an hour to talk about themselves once a week, we would not have any of the problems that we have. Um, so that is my first encouragement. And Heart Support has a partnership with BetterHelp, which is an online counseling um, platform. And we have like a free week that we can provide. And I can send that to you guys if you want to link it in the podcast. Um, but I understand that that's not possible for everyone with access and actually mental health care providers are so overwhelmed right now. The demand for therapy is so much higher Mm. than um, the amount of people practicing therapy. So my second encouragement is to start small, to not run before you can walk to take small steps for your wellness. You know, maybe that means getting to the gym four times a week. Maybe that means setting aside 20 minutes a day to meditate, journal, pray. Maybe that means getting um, phone calls with friends on your schedule, just allowing yourself to take small steps and then building on them. So once you create a consistent habit of going to the gym, then you Mm -hmm. add on journaling and so forth. Um, and not being afraid of it. I think so many people are scared of what they might uncover if they kind of look within themselves and take ownership of their mental health. Mm. It can be really scary. It's so much easier to be like, oh, it's not that bad. I can deal with this and kind of shove it, shove it down. Um, but just knowing that the only thing that it's going to do to face your mental health is make it better in the long run. And it might be scary and it might be hard, but doing the work will always result in feeling healthier and more well. Wow. That's so good. That's so, so good. And so true. And um, yeah, I feel like access to that is like a whole other conversation we could definitely have, but, um, yeah. but just in general, you know, I think it's good to, to know that there's things that we can, we can do in our own power in our own agency. Um, just to start to start to walk towards healing. And that's so good and so helpful. You know, one other thing that if we want to touch on really quickly as our last little point is just what is, um, how, how do you encourage, like, what does healing sort of, sort of look like and mean? And what is that journey? Um, 
you know, I, I think that we, we've kind of talked about wellness, we've talked about mental health, but uh, what does it look like to actually like start to see that there's healing happening in your life? That's such an important question. Um, I, we have this tendency to believe that healing is linear, that if we're healing, we will always be moving forward. And I totally wish it was, but it's not. It is five steps forward, seven steps back, three steps forward. Um, and that's with every mental health experience. And I also think that healing is not a, we, I think we have this also desire to look at healing as an end goal. Like I will, when I am healed, I will have this, mm-hmm. but we're human and we are constantly experiencing pain and traumas and um, heartbreak because of our humanity and because of our imperfection and because of the imperfection of people we're in relationships with. So mm-hmm. I think that the a really important step to healing is accepting that it is a never ending process. You will probably never be healed completely. Um, and if you think you are, there's probably more work to be done. Um, and so when you take that pressure off of finding an end goal for healing, I think there can be a lot of freedom in just instead of being healed, finding growth, finding progress, learning about yourself. Um, and I think that your resiliency and willingness to be vulnerable are two really good indicators of mm. the healing that is happening within you. Um, like I said, shame only can thrive in the shadows and shame is the like the opposite of healing so kind of just that 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 vulnerability that resiliency um those are i think two really great indicators of that healing's happening amazing that's so good so good and so helpful this whole thing has been wonderful so thank you so much for just sharing your story with us and being a part of this podcast, uh, we're so excited to have you as our first guest. Yes, uh, for this I am season. so and I, can, I will be a roadie with you one day, and we can. Oh my gosh! Let's yes, start yes. a, like, a touring company. Perfect. <laughs> Amazing. Can't wait. It's like the little, <laughs> the little van yes, that travels behind all the bus, all the tour buses. The roadies. Like my dream. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, we just support people on the road. <laughs> I'm a therapy roadie, yes. That's actually, that, you just described my dream, dream job, is to actually go on the road with bands and be their physical and mental health coach. That's amazing. So, That's amazing. I'll That's incredible. Wow. It doesn't exist yet, oh but gosh. maybe I can create okay. it. Um, We're here. We're claiming it right now. This is going to be a thing. Yes, yes, <laughs> claiming it. Just remember, I'm a size 10 when you sign with Nike, okay? <laughs> Perfect. I got you. I got you. Uh, you both are amazing. Thank you so much. Oh this gosh. was such an honor, truly. And I'm so excited to keep learning and watching Thank Gather you. Grow. Thank you, Taylor. We're just so excited for your journey and excited to get to share your story with everyone. So thank you so much. And we will chat soon. To all our listeners, thank you once again for tuning in. We hope you feel loved and encouraged by today's content. Be sure to stay tuned for more exciting updates and our Gather news on our Instagram at Girls Who Gather, as well as our website, www.thegirlswhogather.com.
Also, remember to share and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Be on the lookout for season updates, announcements, merch, media, meetups, and more. There is always something for you to be involved in and a place to belong. You are so loved. Until next time, bye Gather Girls!